0: You're listening to Festival Grass.
1: A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world.
0: Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. Capturing love, drugs, and debauchery at music festivals around the world. Berlin police show up at 200-person rave that turned out to be a live stream? Burning Man 2021 update. We just don't know yet, kay? Study reveals techno as least effective genre for reducing anxiety. Ultra sends 2021 cancellation emails without refund option. But first, 15 black trailblazers shaping the future of electronic dance music. Since its inception decades ago, the backbone of dance music has been constituted by a strong community of black creatives. They've led the charge for change from creating inclusive underground club scenes to fostering initiatives that call for diversity in the industry at large. Even more, today's landscape of sound is constantly changing, and Black artists have proved to be a driving force of innovation and propulsive momentum. To highlight some of their voices, we've compiled a list of 15 trailblazing artists who have hit their strides in the last several years. These pioneers have had a profound impact on their contemporaries, and their sonic influence is certain to materialize within the industry's future of talent. Now of these 15, we're going to highlight just three of them, but the full list is attached in the show notes. Aluna. After officially launching her solo project last year, British powerhouse Aluna made waves with her debut album, Renaissance, in August of 2020, cohesively integrating pop house, dance hall, and funk. Channel Trez. Channel Trez made his first appearance just several years ago, marked by a shivering 2018 remix of Aaron Child's Tangerine. Since then, he's grown exponentially as a producer, singer, and songwriter. The California's native debut album, 2020's I Can't Go Outside, proved the maturation of a sound, integrating club bass with silky smooth percussion and sultry vocals. Honey Dijon. Holding deep roots in the electronic scene of Chicago and New York City, Honey Dijon was destined to be a DJ. Now with her cross-genre sound and fearless sense of self, she has grown to be a cultural icon. To top it all off, she is an outspoken activist for the transgender and black communities, working to return dance music to the original inclusive roots she grew up with. You guys have to check out Danny Dijon. Next up, Ultra sends 2021 cancellation emails without refund option. Now, we knew this was coming but ultra music festival finally decided to do a saturday morning news dump to break the news the email sent directly to ticket buyers announces that 2021 can't move forward and reveals that 2022 will take place on march 25th to 27th now the no refunds thing we've covered this so much i can't believe we're in the same place i mean they got sued over this in a move that will surely ignite fury on the part of ticket buyers once again ultra is not offering ticket refunds instead ultra is offering a number of perks that sounds similar to what was offered last year part of this email reads next year we will usher in a new and improved chapter in the ultra history book as we unveil our first ever premium general admission offering current ga ticket holders can upgrade at no additional cost and with no additional purchase required there's a dedicated entrance air-conditioned bathroom and a special lounge. They're also offering a merch discount code and entrance one hour early to see a special headliner set. Lastly, you'll get a free ticket to an ultra worldwide event valid through December 31st, 2022. They're also throwing in a chance to win a lifetime pass and early ticket sale access in case you want to buy more tickets. (laughs) Yeah, from there, there's a link to a pretty ironclad contract you must confirm and then select 2022 or 2023 for your exchange. What you won't get, though, is a refund. Ultra says that if you do not exchange, upgrade, or elect the benefits offered, your 2020 tickets will automatically be honored at Ultra 2022. Listen, after Ultra took a ton of heat and drew a class action lawsuit last year over this same issue, we can only imagine how fans will react to this. We've covered it often on this podcast. We just want festivals to be run properly and to do their due diligence have covered their bases my feeling is if you had given your ticket holders the option to carry over the ticket or get a refund most of them probably would elect to have it transferred over but the fact that you didn't even offer the refund like it was not even a choice it's really discouraging brand loyalty to be honest so it's no wonder that pascal rotella of insomniac is coming to florida and they're going to usurp ultra in the coming years you just watch. A first class production will always beat out a lower class production. Study reveals techno as least effective genre for reducing anxiety. So although many techno fans may disagree with this statement, this is only the result of a study. A total of 1,540 volunteers aged between 18 and 65 agreed to take part in this exercise. It used biological indicators that linked music and emotions. As part of the investigation, these volunteers listened to a variety of music The experiment ended with techno dubstep and 70s rock anthems being the top three layers of music that recorded an increase in their blood pressure on the other hand genres like the 80s and 2000s pop and heavy metal classics were the most likely genres to decrease the volunteers blood pressure when addressing heart rate increasing genres techno dubstep and classical chill out reached the top amongst the volunteers of this study The results were curious indeed, although for some EDM fans, genres like ambient techno can be a go-to when they need to relax, this study proved that people in general are far from experiencing relaxation when listening to this kind of music. Relaxing or not, we will keep listening to techno, of course, and experiencing its benefits. Moreover, there is biological evidence behind this result. One of the doctors in charge of this investigation said, Medically, they make a lot of sense. 80s pop hits could have positive nostalgia attached to them for many people. And their upbeat party-like sounds can induce the release of endorphins and serotonin in the brain, both increasing feelings of happiness and calm. In terms of heavy metal, I'd observe that angry music can help listeners process their feelings and as a result, lead to greater well-being. All right, so Burning Man 2021 update, quote, we just don't know yet, kay? So the festival organizers announced the state of this year's edition in a february 18th blog update the memo titled look we just don't know yet k speaks to the uncertainty surrounding the state of the event's 2021 iteration quote a lot is resting on this decision and it's simply too early to make the call wrote the team in the meantime organizers have assured burners that their essential procedures for an in-person event are already in the works and that they are in constant contact with the state of nevada to review options the statement also announced that the burn week dates will be the same, August 29 to September 6. BlackRock City will likely have a smaller population, the memo continued, though the exact size is still unclear. Registration for tickets is expected to begin in April, with the art installation questionnaire opening in mid-March. Finally, the blog post revealed the results of a January survey which garnered responses from 30,000 burners. 66% of respondents were likely to attend an in-person event and seventy-five percent were willing to comply with any COVID-19 mitigation measures put into place. Now, that's incredible, very wild statistics. <laughs> Out of thirty thousand burners, seventy-five percent of those were willing to comply with COVID-19 mitigation measures, which means that one quarter of the sixty-six percent, which I guess would be thirty-three. So let's say ten thousand. So about so about twenty-five hundred people would go to the burn and would not comply with the measures put in place. So that is. Very worrying indeed, because unfortunately, this is the reason these large non-essential events will be the last things to come back, because it's so difficult to make sure that people comply with any kinds of uh, regulations that you have in place. And, you know, honestly, this isn't about what you particularly think is right or wrong. It is what is in the best interest. It's what the science says. And if you don't want to comply, you should stay home at all costs. You know, it's not against your freedom and it's not against your health. It's for your health and it's for the safety of everyone involved, including those you come into contact with. Now, one thing I will say is that if they do have this event in the fall, the moment people hear that Burning Man is happening in the Nevada desert this year, How are you going to stop the influx? It's a desert. People can come from all sides. (laughs) It's very difficult to turn people away at that point. Anyways, I mean, I think if they can't put it on in full, then they shouldn't put it on at all.
1: Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes.
0: So fun story here. Berlin police show up at a 200-person rave that turned out to be a live stream. So last weekend, the police in Berlin were called to Magdalena Club. Apparently, a suspected illegal party was taking place in the venue. A woman in Germany called emergency number 110 at around 9.30 p.m. when she thought she discovered an illegal rave taking place. This woman found a Saturday night live stream of a club and thought that the viewers were real people gathering in the club. As illegal raves are taking place all around the world during the pandemic, the police showed up in order to shut it down. The police officers headed to the night spot, surrounded the building, but could not see anything strange through the windows. After an initial examination, police ringed the front door, someone opened it, and invited the officers inside to view the illegal rave party. Surprisingly, the police found the DJ and an internet livestream with no guests present beyond the people playing and running the stream. The virtual gathering hosted around 200 people through Facebook, which followed the party from the comfort of their own homes. The police explained the situation to the people working on the stream and the show went on. This is definitely a very funny anecdote regarding raves in general, knowing that there have been a lot of illegal ones, but with this new technology that we can reach so many people, it just goes to show that even a live stream rave inside an empty club can be just as good of a sounding party as if it was the real thing. Would you like to be on the show? If you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered, please click or forward the guest sign up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy.
1: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support.
0: All right. Next up, capturing love, drug and debauchery at music festivals around the world now this is a photo book called fanatics by james marcus haney now a decade ago james snuck into his first music festival all his favorite bands were playing coachella but there was no way he could afford the tickets he didn't even have enough money to fill this he didn't have enough money to fill his old volvo station wagon with gas to get all the way to indio california undeterred james found a guy called acid chris on craigslist chipping for the ride and arrived at the festival a day early he jumped the fence into the artist area and slept under a production truck and in porta potties until the gates opened emerging the next morning with wristbands made from shoelaces colored with sharpies and a hefty camera he'd borrowed from his film school to document the festival since then aka marcus has snuck into more than 50 festivals and events in 35 different countries, including Glastonbury and the Grammys. The experiences immortalized in his documentary, No Cameras Allowed, and a new photo book, Fanatics. Though it hasn't all been smooth sailing, he's been handcuffed on more than one occasion, and at Bonnaroo in Tennessee, he was driven six miles away from the festival by security on the back of a hay mover in hopes that it'd keep him away from sneaking back in. But most of the time, a Marcus succeeded, hopping over a barrier, sneaking in the back door, or acting the part of a press photographer, armed with a professional camera and the quiet confidence of someone who believes they belong. Marcus is welcomed into the photo pits and the backstage lives of famous musicians and celebrities without a real credential or pass. To this day, he still never paid admission to a festival. Along the way, Marcus has befriended folk, troubadours Mumford & Sons, and Edward Sharp of the Magnetic Zeros and been invited on tour as a professional photographer for Coldplay and Elton John. He's now likely to drop into shows via private jet or helicopter, like the time he accompanied Elton to Bestival on the Isle of Wight off the south coast of England. I was on a walkie with the pilot, Marcus says, so I just had him doing circles lower and lower over the festival. I turned to him and say, Elton wants to do another pass, just so I could take the photo. Elton finally figured out what was going on and was like, hey, Marcus, I this thing already. From mega concerts in Taiwan to DIY raves in crumbling castles in France, where 300 people spent five days sleeping in tents by the river listening to music and poetry, Marcus has captured much of the dynamism and debauchery of the music festivals he enjoys on camera. In Fanatics, he hones in on the music fans he spent more than 10 years beside. He captures the young and old, sunburnt and tattooed, the men and women caked in equal parts mud and glitter that kiss, hug, and dance in the fields of ecstasy. Published in December, after a year without live performances and no return date for shows in sight, the book is a nostalgic depiction of a COVID-free world. Instead of the shaky live streams and virtual concerts that have become our norm, his photographs depict crowds and people smashed together in euphoria, a snapshot of life that feels too far away. While there's nothing that can replace the thrill of a concert or festival, where, as Marcus says, You're connected to thousands of other people in an intimate way, sharing and watching an artist pouring their heart out on stage. Fanatics comes pretty close. I didn't ever intend to make a book about fans, but that's what I was drawn to, he says. Where else do you see people in public completely with their guard down, completely not censoring themselves? When you're on the front rail of a show or in the middle of the crowd and you just look around, there's people acting if you put them in any other context in public like lunatics. If you put them on TV or on the beach or anywhere else, you wouldn't catch them dead for doing that stuff and letting that amount of emotion come out. In the book, music fans or fanatics come across green and excited, while others appear wildly unhinged. Edited like a 24-hour music festival experience, the photographs move from the morning through to the middle of the day, with people waving cardboard signs scrawled with names of the festivals they hope to hitchhike to, then arriving bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They slowly deteriorate into chaos as they enter a nighttime full of sweet snogs and scrapes, with the hardcore ravers ultimately waking up in fields entangled with strangers or covered in makeshift newspaper blankets. Throughout, there's a juxtaposition of innocence, an innocence lost, Marcus says, a baby crying, wearing blue earmuffs that complement the color of the nose balloon a woman inhales next door or a young boy of no more than 10 years old standing beside a hut graffitied with free cat sold here. An image of a sign that reads fence jumping and trespassing prohibited, violators subject to prosecution and removal from the park sits besides four frames of partygoers hopping over the gate or handcuffed or being escorted by police. The pages are fueled by drugs and booze, but also with humor, lust, love, and the unorthodox and the eccentric. Punctuated with anecdotes, from bands and singers about the fans that they have inspired, and the years before they were famous. Lars Ulrich of Metallica recalls lingering outside the back door after concerts searching for a sense of belonging, and Maggie Rogers remembers admitting to one of her favorite singers, Leslie Feist, that she'd made her website just like hers. A very powerful photograph in the book features Marcus's friend Ryan Chen being hoisted in his wheelchair above a sea of fans at Austin city limits in Texas. At the time, the crowd shouted the Young Giants' lyrics, My body tells me no, but I won't quit, because I want more. In the photo's caption, the band's lead singer, Samir Gadya, says that they wrote the song when they were just 18 years old and never really knew what it meant until that moment. Ryan's love for life, his desire to grow and face each challenge with grace and determination, and his undying passion for all experiences have become sources of infinite inspiration for me. Baking in the heat, grubby and sleep-deprived, but having the best time ever, Marcus captures the indomitable spirit of these fans in small, spontaneous moments. You can tell from the photographs that he's in the dirt with them, enjoying every single minute of it. Because he says, where else in public do you find such personal experiences, all communally shared at the same time, and people being so vulnerable? This book is absolutely gorgeous. If you haven't been to festivals yourself, or you're thinking about going, These images will certainly take you there. They are raw, unfiltered, unabashed, and truly what festivals are all about. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp.
1: Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again.
0: And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love.
1: We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the link. Links in the show
0: notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our monthly in depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario.
1: And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.